everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. Hey, thank you, Luke, so much. Hey, we're so glad to be here again. This is the third time we've been, and every time we step foot in y'all's church, we just feel a lot of God's Spirit here, and I think a lot of that is a result of Luke and Anna walking with God. You know, as they walk with God, as they lead you to walk with God, we just really sense the Spirit of God here, and so we're just super thankful to be a part of y'all's uh, service this morning. Again, my name is Hans. This is my wife, Star. Uh, we've been married for 27, 27 years. Let me see, make sure. Here we go. No? No, there we go. Now we're on. Okay. Okay, yeah, we've been married for 27 years. We have six children ranging in ages from 26 to 13, three girls, three boys. And we are, um, we run a marriage ministry, Marriage Revolution in the Woodlands. Um, we have offices north of Conroe, in Little Rock, and in Dallas. And our primary focus is marriage counseling, but before COVID, we got to do a lot of speaking and conferences, and so we haven't done this in a while, so we're excited and we're really glad to be here, so thanks for having us. It's been almost exactly a year, yeah, since we've been on a stage. I think our last talk was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, exactly a year ago. And then a week before that, we were right here. So this is kind of our re-entry back into the speaking world. So I want to start out with um, a little bit of a funny story. At least I think it's funny. If I think it's funny, I hope you think it's funny. And I want you to laugh even if you don't think it's funny, just to give me some encouragement. So I want to read this to you. A college professor and her class got in a random discussion about computers. And one of the students asked sarcastically, what gender is a computer? She obviously couldn't answer, so she divided the class into two groups and asked them to decide if a computer should be masculine or feminine. So one group was comprised of the women in the class and the other, the men. And both groups were asked to give four reasons for their recommendation. So the group of women concluded that the computers should be referred to in a masculine gender because in order to get their attention, you have to turn them on. <laughs> they have a lot of data, but they are still clueless. <laughs> they are supposed to help you solve your problems, but half the time they are the problem. As soon as you commit to one, you realize that if you had waited a little longer, you could have had a better model. <laughs> but not so fast. The men, on the other hand, decided that computers should definitely be referred to in the feminine gender because no one but their creator understands their logic. <laughs> Number two, the native language they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. And number three, even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for later retrieval. And then number four, as soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck on accessories. True story, right? True story. I think that's pretty funny. Hopefully you thought it was just a little bit funny. So, hey, we want to talk about love to you. Actually, happy Valentine's Day right? I mean, what better way to spend Valentine's Day than in church talking about love? And we want to talk about love this morning, love in marriage, but we also think that a lot of these principles have to do and can be applied to any relationship that you're in. Friendships, boss, employer, family members. Again, the principles of love apply not just to the relationship of marriage, but all relationships. 
Ecclesiastes 4.12, as it relates to marriage, says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands cannot be broken. You know, it's this idea in marriage, you've probably heard or seen or read about this triangle principle where you have a husband and you have a wife and we have God kind of at the center up here. And the principle behind this cord of three strands is as a husband and a wife move closer to God, they're inevitably going to also move closer to each other. And the Bible says again that that cord of three strands is not easily broken. What we believe as it relates to love, there are, there's a cord of love that we want to talk about. And this cord of love has three strands in it. And we believe that as you apply this cord of love to your marriage, to your relationships, that your love will be pure and it won't be easily broken. And these three strands of love are this. Number one is that love sees. Love sees. Love has the wisdom to see what the need of the moment is so that it can know what love looks like. Love sees, number one. Number two is love cares. If love only sees but doesn't care, then you can see something and not care about it and not do anything. So love has to see clearly, but love also has to care. And then number three, love does. Love requires action. I've heard it said that love unexpressed is actually not love at all. So that's the cord of love, these three strands that we want to talk about this morning. Love sees, love cares, and love does. And look, as we've been teaching and eating and breathing marriage ministry and what it looks like to love really for the past 25 years, we've learned that marriage and love, it's not rocket science. So a lot of what you're going to hear this morning is not going to be maybe new information. You might get some new tidbits of information and ways to apply love in your marriage. But we believe more as it relates to this subject is people need to be reminded of the truth. I believe that that's one of the reasons that we do what we do is because we're a little bit more stubborn than most, and we need a lot of reminders for these things every single day. Because our bent, as is your bent, is to drift in the wrong direction, and not to selflessly love people, but to selfishly love people. So I pray that you're reminded today. One more thing before we get started, as we talk about some of these principles of love and applications of love, I want you to think in your own relationships, specifically your marriage, but others as well, how you can put this into practice. But I want you to think about small moments. Because here's one thing that we've learned over 25 years is that marriages are built and destroyed in the everyday small moments of life. They're not in the anniversary weekends. They're not even on Valentine's Day, although those events are important. But where love really works is in the trenches of life because that's where a majority of your life is lived. So we want you to think about how to apply these things in the everyday small moments of life. So let's first talk about love sees. Love sees. We have to see our spouse to know what it looks like to love them. If we don't see them clearly, we might desire to love, but we might do it carelessly. So how do you see your spouse? What does this look like? Star's going to talk about one principle. So let's talk about attention. Okay, I'm going to read you the definition of attention. Conveying appropriate interest, concern, and care. Taking thought of another. Entering another's world. I love that. 
entering another's world. So how can we meet each other's need for attention? How can you meet your spouse's need for attention or whoever is in your life at this moment that you're supposed to be loving? How can you meet this need for attention? I think that entering another's world is really critical. And I think in order for us to enter another one's world, we have to be willing to leave our own, right? I mean, we're all in a season constantly of busy lives, running, moving from one thing to the next. And I know for me, it can be difficult for me to choose to leave and set my world aside for a little bit to make sure that I enter Hans's world. But the truth is that in order for us to have the marriage that I long for us to have, to have the marriage that we do have, we have to be giving one another attention. And so I have to choose to set those things aside. I have to decide that I want to know what makes my husband click. I want to know what makes him happy. I want to know what makes him sad. I want to know on a day-to-day -day basis what was the hardest thing that he faced that day and what was the best thing that he faced that day what is it that is that is he's dreaming about or that he's excited about and in order for me to know these things I have to care enough to set aside my world and to enter his and for me I know we all have different things that are happening but for me just tangibly what does that look like so for me it looks like sometimes setting my children aside because if you have children you know that they can be all-consuming and it can be very busy and it can be a great thing but it can't be our only thing it can't be our only world that we live in I have to make a choice to set it aside we often tell our kids um, when they're like well I'm not tired I'm not ready to go to bed and we're like hey dude your bedtime is not for you it is for us. <laughs> like, we are ready for you to go to bed. Yeah, right? there Praise you go. God. Right. So we explain that to them often. You are going to bed because we want to have time where you are not here. And we love them. But we have to make it a choice to enter each other's world. And sometimes it means that we can't have interruptions for them. And so for us, that might look like I love family dinners. I want my kids to be there. We cook dinner. We sit around the table. We talk. We discuss. We laugh. And at the end of the night, when they kind of scatter, now they're all older. And so when they kind of scatter to go do homework or do their own thing, we'll sneak off. Like, I'll plan before dinner to make sure that the hot tub is hot so that we can sneak off and go have a moment where there's no one interrupting us where we can have a conversation. And so just think about things that you can do to plan to purposefully on the day-to-day -day moments to enter each other's world. Another thing that's really important for us is just date night. We've done this since our kids were little. It's been our routine for years. It's on Thursday night. Even when I'm tired and exhausted, when there were a hundred of them, it felt like he would make sure that he was purposeful about saying, hey, no, make sure the sitter is lined up. Make sure we can get away for you and I to just have that purposeful time to connect. And so attention is so, so critical in a relationship and it requires time. It requires you to have that quality and that quantity time. And we really think that it's the gateway to all of this working is to make sure that you're giving each other that attention. Yeah, I mean, if you guys aren't spending time together, then how are you supposed to do anything else? Love requires time. Love requires attention. Um, from the husband side of things, I've found that for Star, a lot of this looks like creating time, but then when I'm in the moment is to actually listen to what she's saying. Not just sit there and not just to listen mindlessly, but to engagingly listen to her and ask questions about her day and things like that. And to listen and to listen. A lot of the attention for me, really the challenge is to set aside the time, number one, but then to listen and try to be inv understand what she's been through um, on her day. Um, it, uh, another way to think about attention is it, we could say it's, it's the, the, the art of noticing or the skill or the discipline even of noticing. Men, if your wife has to say, hey, do you like my new haircut? Like that's not a good thing. 
you need to proactively notice that haircut or hair color, new outfit, and say something about it, right? It's the art, the, di- the skill, the discipline of noticing. And so in his star set again, this is kind of the entry gate, and this is what it means to see. Love sees, but love is more than just paying attention, and love is more than just spending time with each other. It requires some other things. Frequently in the morning, um, I've got a disciplined schedule in the morning, but a lot of times it doesn't go as planned with all of our kids, and I don't know what we were thinking, but we just got a dog this Christmas, and so we're trying to incorporate another kid, another puppy into, into the deal. And so recently, especially this year, I'm running around the house, desperately trying to get out of the house, and my breakfast isn't made, my clothes isn't ironed, and I'm late. If Star sees me running around the house and she doesn't say anything or do anything, you can see how that falls short. She can see me, but if she's sitting on her phone on Instagram and scrolling and drinking her coffee and just smiling at me as I'm running around the house ragged, that's not love. That doesn't feel very good. So again, love sees as a portion. It's a component of this cord of love, but it's not everything. So we need to go a step further and also love cares. Love cares. So how do you let your spouse know that you care about them? Well, two ways we believe. We believe it looks like accepting them and connecting with them. Two ways that love cares is you accept them and you connect with them. Let me read the definition of acceptance for you. Receiving another person willingly and unconditionally, especially when the other's behavior has been imperfect. Being willing to continue loving another in spite of offenses or differences. I love the portion of that definition that talks about in spite of behavior. Guys, I don't know about you, but our world is constantly, and I would say in some senses appropriately, judging us and measuring us based on our behavior and our performance. We live in this performance world where in order to get ahead, to make money, to provide, to escalate in school and in work, we've got to perform. We've got to get stuff done. And again, a lot of that is appropriate, but at the end of the day, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sick and tired of being judged based on my performance. And the last thing that I want to do is to walk in the house at the end of the day and have her judge me and accept me conditionally and to reject me. That didn't feel very good. Again, in this world, we we have to perform. We've, We've got to get it done. But in a marriage relationship, the foundation of acceptance doesn't have anything to do with performance. It has everything to do with position and who you are. And guys, you are married to your other part of your one flesh, your gift from God. And your identity as a married couple is not based on performance. It's based on your identity, like a husband and a wife. And so the goal is to receive your spouse as God's perfect gift, despite the shortcomings and differences. I've mentioned, Star mentioned, Luke mentioned, I think that we've been married for 27 years. You learn a lot about a person after being married with them for 27 years. You know, in the early days of marriage, it's easier to accept and even going back into the dating stage because you're not seeing the real person, right? The longer you're with somebody, you start to see their faults more specifically. You start to tune into some of those, especially some of the longer standing uh, faults and patterns of sin. That's why this gets more difficult with age and marriage. As you live with somebody longer, it becomes more difficult to accept them. And we have to resist that drift and be purposeful to accept them, not based on their behavior, but based on their 
identity. We state this in our vows. Uh, Star, would you stand up? I mean, just, I mean, we state this in our, in, a, in, a, in our vows that we stand before each other across the altar uh, the day of our wedding, and we say, I will love you and I will accept you as long as we both shall live in sickness and in health, for rich, for poor, all of those things. But that, that statement means so much if you think about it. As you're going to learn in a second, my wife and I have been through a ton of stuff, from abuse to adultery to affairs to just crazy stuff. Here's what acceptance looks like. If we could see all the things that we're going to go through and all the things that are going to be done to us on our wedding day, it still looks like us standing across from our spouse and saying, I love you, I will love you, regardless of what you do, regardless of what we experience, I will love you as long as we both shall live. That's crazy if you think about it, but that's the bar, that's acceptance. By the way, that's how God accepts you. He sees the future, he sees everything, and yet he makes a decision to accept you, not based on your behavior, but based on your identity as a child of the king. Marriage is an opportunity to emulate that, to demonstrate that through acceptance. So, love cares, and one of the ways that it cares is that it accepts. Love accepts. The next thing it looks like underneath the umbrella of love caring is love connects. Let me read the definition of connect. It says, responding to a hurting or a happy person with words, feelings, and touch to hurt and rejoice with and for another's grief or a big win. Romans 12, 15 articulates this, the, it articulates this very nicely and very succinctly. It says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. What we're really talking about here is this skill of emotional responding. Again, if we think back to love seeing, we have to see what the emotional need is, but if we just see it and don't do anything, then we fall short. So what emotional responding looks like is to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. If your husband has a big win at the office, a big promotion, wives, give him a high five. Do whatever he wants you to do. Have, treat him to a good night. Let him have it in a good way. Rejoice with him. Don't fall short in that. When they're having a bad day, enter in their world, seek to understand it. Even when they might not be willing to share all the details right when they get home, let them know that you see him and that you care about him. Guys, this is a little bit more difficult for us. Typically speaking, uh, women have an easier time doing this thing of emotional responding, especially as it relates to when we see our wives hurting. Like our tendency, whenever we see our wives hurting, is to do what? It's to, it's to fix the problem, right? It's to fix it. We see a problem in God and his wisdom. He's designed us to fix things. But before our wives desire the fixing, they desire for us to enter into their world and to comfort them. Don't fix it. Don't explain it. Don't try to make everything better or encourage them that tomorrow's going to be a better day. There's a time for that. But the entry gate to your wife's suffering is comfort, to mourn with them. So we told you that we had six kids, and um, in the early days, I used to homeschool. I homeschooled for 17 years, and so I can remember a season, probably one of the harder seasons for me in our lives, and we had a newborn that I was nursing, 
two-year-old that I was potty training, a four-year-old that I was teaching preschool to, and you know, a first grader, a third grader, and then a seventh grader. So life was busy and hard and full. And I often describe homeschooling as it was kind of my love-hate. Um, I definitely loved it more than I hated it, <laughs> thankfully. It was something that I felt extremely called to, and I describe it as the area where it was the hardest thing I've ever done and yet the most amazing thing I've ever done. Same thing with having six kids. I wouldn't trade it for anything. But there were a lot of days where he would come home, and it had been really hard. Life had been hard. And so he would walk in the door, and I'm not a very good hider. If, I, if there's something wrong with me, I'm going to tell you that there's something wrong with me. I'm not a girl who says everything's fine, nothing's wrong, I'm going to tell you. So he would often walk in. And keep in mind, I might have gone the entire day without any other adult conversation. And so I'm super desperate for him to get home. And I might just want to unload on how hard everything was for that day or what went wrong. And quite honestly, Hans is very organized, and I'm not, not by nature. And so when I'm describing things to him, I can see and often know that there might be that temptation there for him to go, well, start, if you would have just done ABC, then I'm telling you, XYZ would have all worked out. But I love, love, love that we learned this early on in our marriage because when I would start to vent or explain to him about the day and I was kind of distraught or down, what meant the most to me is when he would just look at me and listen and I could see the care and the compassion and the concern on his face and he would just embrace me. Sometimes it was just an embrace. You know, Star, I'm, just, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry and I'm so thankful for you that you do what you do. But just the comfort. And let me tell you, there were definitely things that he could have helped me to fix to, to make life easier and better. And after he comforted me, Oftentimes, I wanted to know. I would go to him, hey, I need you to help me. I need tomorrow to be different. What can I do? What do you see? But I think him walking in in that first moment, seeing that my need in that moment was not to be fixed. My need in that moment was for him to reach out and comfort me made all the difference. It gave me the strength to keep going, honestly. Yeah, and guys, I want to make this super simple for you. I'm going to list out a couple ways that you can comfort. Um, you can just say something like, hey, I'm really sad that you're having a bad day. It's not even going to feel right coming off your tongue. It's going to feel weird. It's going to be, well, blah, it doesn't work. But it, trust me, it does. Just try it, even if it feels wooden. Or it may be something like, hey, I'm committed to walk through this difficult season with you. Or it could look just like a hug, like she said. But if you hear me say one thing as it relates to comfort, guys, I want you to try this. Don't say anything and just listen. Don't say anything and just listen and let your wife talk and let her talk. And just when you think she's done talking, keep listening and see what happens. Just listen, allow her to get that stuff out. And you'll know whenever there's about 10 or 15 second pause there, then that'll be your moment to give her a hug and to say something. But just listen. Your wife doesn't want to be fixed as much as she wants you to care for her heart. It's this art of emotion, this skill, this discipline, again, of emotional responding. So number one, love sees through attention. Number two, love cares through acceptance and through connection. But again, if all, of, all you do is see and connect, that still falls short because love does. Again, going back to my frazzled mornings, on most mornings now, if I'm running around, food's not, you know, done, my breakfast isn't cooked, uh, shirt's not ironed, and I'm running around and starts sitting on the couch scrolling Instagram and drinking coffee, and she doesn't just sit, but she says, oh, babe, I'm sorry that you're having a tough morning. 
Like, that's not going to do anything for me. It's going to feel good, but what I really need her to do is do something. Go make my smoothie. Go iron my clothes. Go do something so that I can get out the door on time. So you can see how love seeing and love caring falls short of love doing. So let's talk about love does and what this looks like. How do you express love to your spouse? I said it before, but again, love unexpressed isn't really love at all. And again, as we talk about some of these ways, you're going to see some real practical ways. I want you to think small moments. What can I do on a daily basis that's going to make an impact on my husband and on my wife? I've heard it said this way, that success, we could say in marriage, is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. Success is the sum of small efforts repeated day in and day out. So again, it's these accumulation of 10,000 small moments that will make or break a marriage. So, Star, talk about appreciation. Appreciation or praise. Expressing gratefulness through thanks or praise. Recognizing effort or accomplishment. What I see a lot and what I'm often tempted to do, we don't do this. Not near as often as we need to. In fact, if I'm honest, and I think if a lot of us are honest, we are more tempted or it's more natural for us to point out everything that our spouse is doing wrong. Like I can go on a sin hunt like it is my job. But to be purposeful about saying, you know what, every time I have a thought about something that I don't like that Hans is doing, and not that there's not time to talk about the things that you wish were different between you, because there are, but this is so lacking in marriages today. So make it a discipline when you have a thought about something that is wrong to, to, to train your mind to say, I'm going to think of five things that I love that he's doing that are great and it will shift your thinking and then when you're thinking of those things no matter how small they are or how big they are let him know let her know take time to send a quick text message or a phone call or tell him when he gets home give him or her that praise that that you're recognizing that they're doing and praise and 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 encourage accomplish or um character over accomplishment character over accomplishment because oftentimes like Han said we can work and work and work and feel like we didn't get the result that we desired I know what that feels like to feel like you gave your all and it just wasn't the success that you wanted to see but I love when he notices hey babe like look at what you did look at look at the perseverance that you had look at the character growth that happened even though you didn't get the outcome that you wanted i see so much that god is doing in your heart because of the way that you persevered so look for that character and praise it ask god to show you daily what you can praise in your spouse i'm telling you it makes such a difference and when it's appropriate do it publicly when you can let other people know that you're proud of your man or you're proud of your woman do it it makes a huge impact on your marriage let's um let's try this to illustrate the power of focus i want you to take just maybe 10 seconds and i want you to look around the room and i want you to try to put your eyes on everything that you can see that's red. And I want you to make a mental note, just a mental list, very quickly, 10 seconds. Look right now around the, around the room, everything that's red. Just silently make a mental note. Just a couple more seconds. Okay, now everybody close your eyes. Every eye closed. Now I want you to think about all the things that are green in the room. Can you think of anything? Can, you th can anybody think of more than just a couple things that are green? You can open your eyes. 
What about my jacket <laughs> that's standing right in front of you? Right? It's the power of focus. If we train ourselves, if we're disciplined to, let me say it another way. As Star said, our bent is to focus on sin. Our bent is to call out what's wrong in our spouse. I'm not just calling you out. I'm calling us out. That's our bent. It's our selfish, prideful heart. Our bent is going to be that. We have to resist that drift, and we have to be purposeful and intentional to see and to call out all of the green things in your relationship, all of the good things. So we have to be purposeful and intentional. Do you have a couple more things to share? Or no, you good? No, I'm good. Okay. So love, love does. Number one is appreciation. Number two is affection. Talk about affection, babe. Affection. Expressing care and closeness through physical touch and actually saying, I love you. So we were designed and created for affection. I love that we have actual chemicals that are released in our body. Oxytocin is released in our body when we just touch someone. And that helps us to foster an environment of connection, of bonding. Like God designed us in a way that we need to touch. And it doesn't always mean that if you touch me, we are going to have sex. That is not what affection is. It doesn't mean that I want you to grope me all the time. Although I like that you chase me. I mean, here's what I'll say. (laughs) Here's what I'll say about affection. Ask your spouse. We talk to a lot of couples and there tends to be one person in the marriage who loves and desires affection. And then one person who's like, eh, I could take it or leave it. I don't need it. And I don't need it and I'm not wired that way so I don't give it. And I would say that if you have a spouse who needs affection, you need to be giving it. It can't be that you're just not wired that way so you don't do it. So just ask your person, what, what do you like for me to do that is affectionate? What do you, Hans is less affectionate than I am. I enjoy affection. And I want my affection to mean you're going to give me affection and the expectation is not sex. Although sometimes it's going to lead to sex, I don't want it to always have to lead to sex, right? Anybody else in the room agree with me? Yeah, so physical affection will often follow that emotional connection. But for me, part of emotionally connecting is just touching me without that expectation. We have a word in our um, marriage that we use. It's like a code word. And the kids probably already know what it means by now, but it's called NSA. And I'm like, this is NSA. Like right now, this is NSA, which means non-sexual affection (laughs) or no sex allowed. Like I want you to hug me and love me and want to kiss me and hold my hand and rub my back and not expect that it has to mean, sometimes it does, but it doesn't have to mean sex. So I would just say, ask your spouse what is important to them in affection. Yeah. So again, love appreciates and love has sex or love has some non-sexual affection. And then lastly, love supports. Let me read the definition of support. Support is coming alongside and gently helping with the problem or struggle, providing appropriate assistance to help carry a load. And again, the, the key to doing this right with wisdom is to see, to pay attention to what your spouse needs and what they can help you with. If you don't know what, you, what it looks like to support your spouse, ask them. Ask them what this looks like. Do the dishes, husbands. Help with the project. Bathe the kids. Support your spouse's dreams. Hey, look, I've taken some big and some would say even some foolish vocational risks as it relates to ministry over the past 20 years. And she has been my biggest cheerleader, not just in words, but in action. There have been times where I've ordered to join particular organizations to do certain commitments on a ministry level, and she was 
came alongside me to support me in some of those, even though I knew that on her own accord she would have never done it. Hey, that feels good when your spouse supports you. When Star makes my lunch or helps me in the morning to get out the door, that means the world to me. Again, support doesn't have to look like this, this, this big, huge effort. Uh, just the way our schedules work, I, I, it doesn't happen anymore, but back when we had our little Keurig coffee machine, I was confident that one of the most significant things that I did for my wife on a daily basis took about three seconds, and that put her little Keurig coffee in there, pressed it down, and press go. It just set her day off on the right foot. Now look, do, hear me, it, it's those small moments. It's not just the coffee, but we'll call it like 20 of those small things day in and day out. That's what makes or breaks a relationship. So again, love does, love appreciates, love shows affection, and love supports. And again, when Star does that, and I know when I do these things for her, she feels completely loved. And I believe that when a husband and wife love like this in the everyday moments of marriage, it creates a deep intimacy that is not easily broken. Again, it's this cord of love. Love sees, love cares, and love does. And I believe it changes our relationship. But I also believe that even if just one person does this in a relationship, it can change the marriage. It can turn the marriage around. 25 years ago, I had no idea what any of this stuff was. I grew up in a Christian home and went to church every Sunday. My parents had a great marriage. So I, I knew intuitively by just watching what love looked like, but I didn't know any of this love does, cares, sees, need of the moment, small. I didn't know anything. All I knew is that I saw a girl that I thought could make me feel good emotionally and physically. It wasn't anything about service or anything about the right thing. I just saw this girl from across the room and I was like, I need to be with this woman. I needed her. So we started getting together and, and we dated and we dated seriously really quick and we got married and we brought our own dysfunctional view of love, our selfish view of love into marriage and our marriage tanked. We didn't last two years before we were separated and considering divorce. I'll never forget coming home from a business trip after being married for two years. We had a then two-year-old daughter, our oldest daughter, Kylie, drove home, pulled up into the driveway, and my daughter and my wife were there with their bags packed. Opened my door and got out of the car and, and said, Star, what are you doing? She said, I'm, I'm leaving you, Hans. The abuse, the, the words, the emotional things, the physical things that have happened in this house, I, I, I just can't deal with it. I said, I said babe, I, I knew that we weren't great, but I, I didn't think things were this bad. She says, Hans, I'm leaving. I'm going to live with my mom. It was my wake-up call. It was my wake-up call where my wife and my then two-year-old daughter decided to leave because of the condition of my marriage. She had begged me to go to counseling, but I thought with my man responsibility lead, I could pull up my bootstraps and I could just do it. But in that moment, my marriage crumbled. I went to go move in with my parents and uh, explained to them nobody knew what was going on. No one knew. We were the friendly, happy couple in church. Kylie had her little red bow in her hair and we were dressed nice, looked like Ken and Barbie. It was, you know, we were the perfect couple until this event. No one knew what was going on behind closed doors. Went to go again, move in with my parents. They had no idea. My dad looked me square in the eye. He said, Hans, you're going to go to marriage counseling. I said, Dad, you don't understand. My wife doesn't want to have anything to do with me. There's no, I mean, marriage counseling, I mean, it's just not going to happen. He said, Hans, if you want to live in our house, you're going to go to marriage counseling alone. And I'm so thankful that he stood for our marriage. He believed 
in our marriage, even when I didn't see that there was any hope at all. My dad saw something that I couldn't see. So I showed up in marriage counseling and started ranting and raving about stars doing this, stars doing that. And my counselor, with grace, he saw me, he cared about me, and he lovingly shared what it looked like to be a godly husband and a godly father. And I started to get it. I started to to latch on to some of these principles. I started to, to do some of these things that you were supposed to do. But the problem was, as I was continuing to love, as I was continuing to pursue Star, she was moving in the other direction. She was pursuing a divorce. And honestly, the only reason she didn't do it is because she didn't have the money. I think I was making $10.50 an hour at the time. We couldn't afford to rub two nickels together. But again, I continued to love. I continued to love. And my counselor is just, Hans, keep loving, keep loving. But you want to know what? Honestly, I got tired. I was like... I I was loving and doing all the right things. I was seeing her. I was starting to come to grips with how my behavior had hurt her. But she wasn't, she wouldn't give me the time of day. She would only interact with me for the logistics of the relationship. I remember going into counseling after, you know, being in counseling for two months or so. And I I went into Carl's office, my counselor's uh, name, and said, Carl, this isn't working. All this God stuff, all this seeing, caring, and doing, it's just... It's not working. I'm watching Star move further and further away from the relationship. And what he explained to me that day is still reverberates in my soul. You see, I was loving her right. I was doing all the right things, but I was loving her in the right way with the wrong reason, with the wrong heart. See, the thing that I wanted the most out of my love is I wanted my marriage back. And that's a great thing. But when you make a great thing, the most important thing in any situation, it becomes an idolatrous thing. And God in his grace allowed me to love her unsuccessfully in a sense of accomplishing what I wanted, getting her back, so that my heart could be reoriented, so that he could reorient my heart. You see, what God wanted me to know is he said, Hans, I want you to love her for my glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, whatever you do, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, do it all for the glory of God. I was loving to get my marriage back, a good thing, something that God wanted, but it wasn't the most important thing. And God in his grace allowed me to go through that failure so that he could reorient my heart. Some of you might be thinking like, okay, Hans, that sounds all Sunday schoolish and stuff to love for the glory of God. But see, the other thing that I got in that counseling session is I understood how I was able to see God. I was saved at the time, but in that counseling session, he started to explain to me who God was. And as we talk about love seeing and love caring and love doing, he explained to me that love is not as much those three things. Love is not caring and seeing and doing. Love is a person. Love is, love is a person in the, in the person of Jesus. And he explained that Hans, love or God, Jesus sees you perfectly. He cares deeply about what you're going through. And he has the ability to do something. He loves you that much. Hans, he sees you. He designed you. He created you. He desired you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows the number of your days. He knows the content of your days before one of them came to be. He cares about you. He rejoices over you with singing. He mourns with you as you're going through a struggle. And Hans, he has the power to change you and to reorient you 
and to heal your marriage. You know what I wanted to do in response to that? I wanted to love my wife in the exact same ways that I was loving, but not for her, not for my marriage, not even for me, but for him. Because when you have somebody that loves you that much, you will do whatever they tell you to do and go wherever you call them to go. And that was me. God got me. And he still got me. And in some ways, what happened in that counseling session is still reverberating around in me. And not only did it change our marriage, it's changed our legacy. And it's changing you in some way today. And it's changed tens of thousands of people as we share our story across the country. Because of one reorientation, this reorientation of realizing that love is not about seeing, caring, and doing, but love is a person. Love is Jesus. So Hans was changing, and it was obvious. Um, I'd waited a long time for Hans to change or to to have a wake-up moment, and so for a long time I doubted that it was real. But it became evident and clear that it was real, and there was no mistaking it. And so... I loved that he was changing, but quite honestly, there had been so much pain, so much hurt in our marriage. For me, there was just no way that I could return. I was very involved in an affair, and in my mind, um, if I wasn't going to leave to be with this guy, it was going to be someone like him. Affairs aren't real life. They will make things seem great when it's really just a lot of darkness. And so I'm in the middle of this affair. I'm doing everything I can to leave the marriage. I'm thankful that he's changing, but quite honestly, it's just too little and it's too late. And so we have a lot of people from our church that we're in that are calling me and really kind of hounding me, so to speak, about going to counseling and doing everything that I can to fix our marriage. And it is just on my absolute last nerve. Um, They were, quote, holding me accountable, and I today am so incredibly thankful for this group of people, but at the time, I couldn't stand half of them. And so as a way of just being able to check the box and say, I need these people off my back because I wanted to be able to say that I did what I needed to do to fix our marriage, I decided that I would go to counseling. I told my friends, I told the guy that I was involved with, I was going to go to two sessions, I was going to check the box, and I was going to be done with my marriage. And so I went to a session, and it was just the counselor and I, it was just Carl and I, Hans wasn't in the room, and I'm just telling him every reason that I can't stay in my marriage every reason why it is absolutely impossible for us to heal and how, yeah, I see the changes and I really think that they're probably real and it's all great, but you don't understand what's been done. And here's the deal, Carl, I can't even kiss this man. I can't let him touch me. And so how in the world am I supposed to have a marriage with him? And he's just listening and letting me vent for quite a while. And I think when I gave my little pause and he knew that I was done, He said, Star, I need to ask you a question. I need to ask you if you believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And I said, yeah, I I believe that. He leaned forward on his little counselor couch. He looked me really deep in the eye and he shook his head and he said, Star, you don't hear what I'm asking you. Do you believe it? Do you believe that God took that dead man out of the grave and raised him to life again? so that you could be saved. And I said, yeah, I believe that. He said, so let me get this straight. You believe that God can take a dead man out of the grave, raise him to life again to save you for all of eternity, but you don't believe that that same God can heal your marriage. I don't know why, but for whatever reason, it was my moment. It was like God decided she's going to see today. I'm going to turn the lights on. And I wondered, like, what if, what if God could do 
what this counselor's telling me he could do. What if he could do it? And so I turned this much. I turned toward God. I turned toward Hans. And I'm telling you that we watched him begin to unfold things in our life and in our marriage that we had never experienced. He began to heal and restore in ways that I didn't think were possible. He was giving us a marriage that I'd longed for and hoped for. And, you know, during this time when we were separated, I had a lot of friends that watched me walk through my marriage. They watched the misery. They watched the pain. And then they watched God restore and reconcile. And they... They just, they truly could not believe what we were experiencing. And they would ask me, like, Star, what was it? Like, what, what did it? And of course God did it. Of course there was no way for any of that to happen without the miraculous power of God opening my eyes, softening my heart, and turning us toward each other and toward him. But I will tell you that one thing that stands out to me greatly when I talk about our story, when I talk about marriage, when I think about it, when I remember, was those seasons where he was pursuing me and I was running the opposite way. When he was coming after me with love and attention and focus and fighting for our marriage, when I was swirling in darkness, and I didn't even know I was in darkness, but I was so wrapped up in it, and he just kept pursuing and loving and caring. Because during that time, God was softening my heart. He was making me more tender. He was making me ready not only to receive my husband and to be able to forgive and to, and to ask for forgiveness from him, but to also point out to me, hey, Star, like he's a man and he loves you greatly, but he is an imperfect man. And all this time that I allowed him to come after you and for your heart to be softened, the greatest gift that I wanted you to see was that I am perfect Ooh. and that I come after you and that I love you when you're in your sin. I love you when you're swirling in darkness and I will go to every link that I have to go to to fight for you. So it was that perfect love that did so much, that transformed so much for me and my heart here, but more importantly, here. Yeah. Love sees, love cares, and love does. But much more importantly than understanding a principle of love, I want you to understand the person of love because Jesus sees you, Jesus cares for you, and Jesus wants to do something about the situation that you're in, whether it's a marriage situation, whether it's something personal that you're struggling with, maybe it's depression, maybe it's abuse of drugs or alcohol, or maybe it's just a, a difficult relationship, maybe with your parents, regardless of what it is, employer-employee relationship, God sees you, Jesus sees you, he cares about you deeply, and he desires to do something about it. So you have a choice to make at this point. There's a lot of things that we've talked about, but I want to invite you to take a step. I don't know what that step is, but here's a couple things that come to mind. Maybe your step is, you know what, Hans, I, I've heard about God. I may have been to church. I may have gone to Sunday school and sang some songs and done some spiritual things. But maybe this morning, maybe you're realizing for the first time that, and even considering that God might see you and that God might actually care, and that God has the ability to do something. I want to invite you to believe. As Star believed this much, I want you to test it out, and I want you to put your faith in this God that we're talking about this much and see what happens. Maybe you're in a position where you're in a marriage situation like we were in 25 years ago. Maybe what it looks like, maybe you're in a position where your spouse is running the other direction, and you're in a place like me. And I want you to remember that God sees you, he cares about you, and he can do something about what you're going through. 
That's not something to be held on to. You're a conduit of that love. As you receive that love, maybe God's asking you to give that love away to an undeserving person because we're undeserving. Maybe you're in a situation where you need to, you need to ask for forgiveness for not uh, seeing your spouse, not caring about your spouse, and not doing some of these things that we're talking about. Maybe the first thing that you need to do, do in your living rooms or maybe when you leave this place is to look your spouse in the eye and just say, you know what? I'm sorry. I've been wrong for this and for this and for this. And you know what? With God's help, I'm going to try to change. And I love you. I accept you. I'm going to appreciate you. I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to connect with you. I'm going to support you. And I'm gonna, if, if I fail, I'm going to die trying because I love you and I'm committed to you. And I want to be with you forever. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith. Have a great week.